You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Tuesday, the 14th of April, 2020. Thank you all for tuning in. On tonight's program, we're going to be looking later at the doctrine of assurance. And joining me tonight is a good friend of mine, somebody I've had contact with for a couple of years now, uh, Brandon Lockridge. Uh, He's the host of Full Armor Radio. And um, yeah, this is the first time I've had a guest on live with me. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us once again on the program. Well, thank you very much, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here again. Thank you. Yeah, and we're hoping um, everything goes well tonight um, for for multitude of reasons. Uh, I have never tried Skype coming in <laughs> and a lifey going out. So if there's anything going wrong and if there's any gremlins happening, please let me know, please. <laughs> uh, I beg of you. Uh, no, no, it, Lord willing, it should go fine um, and all that. Um, so we're looking forward to going through that and we're looking forward to going through a very important topic over the years, you'd receive emails from people who struggle with assurance. I think we all do to in various times in our lives to varying degrees. Um, and that's different for everyone. And we hopefully, by God's grace, keep us in your prayers as we go through it. It's a sensitive topic. It, it's not an easy topic to talk about, um, but we hope it'll be an encouragement and a blessing to you. So continuing on in our quote-unquote lockdown episodes and i'm gonna gonna go to split screen there um we're going to look myself and brandon we're going to look through um psalm 8 psalm 8 so this is episode number eight of the lockdown (laughs) so yeah it's like wow it's uh i wonder will we get through the whole psalter (laughs) yeah we'll, we'll we'll see hopefully only once anyway but um now psalm 8 We'll read it first, and before we go through it, we'll just lead with a word of prayer. Okay, I've been I've been informed that I cannot. Uh, Brandon cannot be heard. Brandon, could you just speak up there a little bit? Can you be heard? Uh, yes. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, Paul. Or oh, yeah. Oh. Did I, did I, did you lose me? Uh, try there now. Okay, test one, two. Can you hear me? Now, oh, I can hear myself you, you back. might hear yourself back, but are you, is that crazy annoying or anything like that? We'll make it through. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a test run through, and there's probably a way of fixing this and sorting it out, um, but I'll probably find out after the program. But anyway, so Psalm 8, we're going to read through this. <laughs> anyway, Psalm 8, and uh, we'll, we'll lead with a word of prayer and that the Lord will bless us as we look at his holy and fallible word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you would bless us, and Lord, please encourage us. We pray for your blessing upon the broadcast. We pray for those listening. And we pray, those, Lord, for those 
who are in need of encouragement tonight, and we pray that um, our conversation may be edifying. We pray for the live chat, Lord, that people would feel um, would feel that they could ask questions if they feel so led, and Lord, that you would bless that and encourage us all, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Amen. Psalm 8, Psalm 8, we're reading from the New King James, um, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, because you have silent. You may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you may visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So we see now... um, in this psalm, a psalm very much dealing with the glory of God in creation, starts off with, and something, again, we're, we're thinking, especially with the dark, the dark days and the difficult days we face, that we exclaim, and we all do this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And that we would glorify his name. And while we may not get to see creation as it goes through various parts of creation, that we may remind ourselves of the excellence of the Lord. Any Anything you'd like to say about that psalm yourself, Brandon? Yeah, you know, this is a very um, comforting psalm uh, to me because, you know, we, during this time especially, uh, these dark times that we're in, um, to be able to read about our sovereign God and to see uh, the work of his hands. And, you know, we look out in creation and creation itself uh, testifies of the creator, right? And so to be able to look out and see uh, that God is in control of all things. Um, you know, this is something I've been saying throughout uh, this time is that um, we take comfort in the fact that the God who calms the raging sea by the power of his word is also the God that has placed boundaries upon viruses. He has said, you can go this far, but no further, right? And so we take comfort in those things. Um, and, you know, I love, you know, this is, this is, you know, in verses four through um, six, I mean, we this is, I think, a clear reference uh, to Christ because this is actually uh, requoted in uh, in Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews chapter two. Uh, the writer of Hebrews 
uh, quotes this as it has been testif testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? Uh, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have uh, crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And then it goes on to say in verse eight of Hebrews two, now in putting everything in subject subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control at present. We do not yet see everything in subjection to him. And so, you know, clearly uh, a, uh, a reference to uh, the Christ and um, it's just a comforting thing to know that God is in control of all things. Uh, and it's, um, I, there's, there's nothing more comforting that than that during a time like this, right? Amen. And even to remind ourselves that as the Lord goes forth, it says you, uh, verse six, you have put all things under his feet. Now we're mm. going to see the full consummation of that in the future. And that's the comforting thing. Yes, all things are in, under God's control, but there's going to come a time when death, when suffering, when tears, and everything will be put away and will be under his feet, and even death. Death, that enemy will be effectively slain, and there will be no more death. Um, and what a thought in the future. We, we, we need to be balanced in our Christian life. We have to remind ourselves of the future to come as a Christian. We sometimes, and we, I think we fall in either one or two of these camps. We either downplay, we don't think enough of heaven, and we're too much focused maybe on the here and now, or we're too, we're not focused at all on the here and now. We can't wait to get out of here. Um, of course, there's a sense of that that is good, but we need to be, uh, you know, some people call it like the already and not yet, that, mm. and we need both of those to be, truly encouraged that there's blessings here and now, but at the same time, when you're going through horrible things, the blessings that await us are so beyond anything we could imagine, anything we could ever dream up. It is far mm -hmm. greater than any of that. And then uh, that wonderful explanation at the end of the Psalm, how excellent is your name in all the earth and not just Lord, oh Lord, our Lord. Mm-hmm. Not just in any general sense, but our Lord. We take him, right. that the promise that he would be a God unto us. What a great privilege. And I think sometimes, you know, when reading through the Psalms, you kind of go, okay, that's, that's God. But it was in the midst of the enemies, and it was the, the, the privilege that the God of heaven and earth Jehovah was our God, and this was like Israel and all the other nations had followed after mm. idolatry, idols that did not speak, that couldn't see, and what a great privilege that is, and we, we often forget that. Any, uh, any other thoughts before we um, head on to our main topic or anything like that? I just love how, um, you know, it begins this... this uh... This psalm begins and ends the same way. You you begin with this glorification of God. How majestic is your name in all the earth? And then it ends the same way. It's like two you know bookends on on this uh, on this psalm. And I just think it's it's a beautiful psalm. Um, you know, like you said, going back to kind of what you said about you know him putting all things under his feet. 
uh, again, uh, comfort in not only in in the sovereignty of God and and how He's in control of all things, but comfort in the fact that uh, He is victorious, right? And and like you say, you know, the, the already and the not yet, we are still uh, here in the flesh, uh, living in this world, but knowing that we are um, that we are nomads we are wanderers right we are we are not of this world and and uh christ is victorious and we have that hope of future glory to look forward to and it's it's just so comforting and it makes especially during times like this again um if we believe that there's a lot of people that that have a fear of death obviously in a time like this and understandably so right um but if we believe that if we believe in the hope, you know, we have the hope of future glory, um, you know, what is there to fear? What is there to fear? Because what's on the other side of this is so much better than we could possibly even imagine or think of. And um, and that's something that's that's comforting to me as well. And of course, we all want to be around as long as we can and be able to you know, grow with our families and, and enjoy, uh, you know, our lives and our families and, and, and do the work that God's, you know, called us to do while we're, while we're here. Um, but let's not forget that the Lord, again, in his sovereignty has, has numbered our days and we're not going to live longer or, or shorter, any second longer or shorter than, than what he wants us to. And, and on the other side of this is is that future glory. And so um, just a comforting thing, certainly during these times. And we should remind us, yeah, we are passing through because I, I, mm. I can understand the, the sense of panic if you're so focused on the political process right now. Sure. And, you know, people will say to me, well, I fear a tyranny after, you know, whatever happens. And I'm going, could it happen? Sure. Um, there's also a certain sense of what can you do to stop it? I I don't want to be defeatist or anything like that. Um, the Lord is in control. Perhaps the Lord will take away our freedoms in order either to chasten the church, in order to make us see what really matters, in order Mm -hmm. that, uh, for multitude of blessings or for all sorts of reasons, you know, we, we are not privy to the, the, the secret counsels of God, but we should trust him in it. And it's not always easy. I mean, you know, you look through church history, some of the greatest blessings come in the greatest times of crises. And well, you look at the, yeah, the 17th century Puritans being kicked out of, out of England, basically. Look at all those freedoms they had when they achieved all those things. And when the Lord used them, I mean, Mm. we think almost like, well, how will the gospel go forth without these freedoms? They've gone forth with, you know, from a civil point of view, zero privileges, mm. zero uh, rights. It's not that, okay, if the rights are used that we have for the gospel, brilliant. Use mm. them. Paul did that at times, but there's also times when he said that he for, he never mentioned the word sometimes, that he never mentioned he was even a Roman citizen. He could have gotten out of trouble. He could have gotten out of stoning. He could have gotten out of a lot of trouble, but mm. he didn't do it. And um, I think we need to especially um, with that. I'm curious, how are things in California? Because you were one of the first 
states were you not to be locked down in the United States, wasn't it? Yeah, we were the, the we were the first state uh, to lock down. Um, the I, and I believe that the state of New York did so maybe a day or two later. Um, but um, California locked down early, uh, and and uh, San Francisco specifically, the city of San Francisco locked down even three two or three days before the state lockdown, um, which, you know, at the time, at the Mm. time, you know, I was frustrating, but, you know, looking back in hindsight, it was probably a good thing. Um, yeah, it's um, a difficult thing. I I see people arguing online and I urge you guys not to, and I I know the temptation people's businesses are on the line and all this kind of stuff. Sure. Everybody's stressed to the max. Oh Uh, yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's tough, but we, yeah. you know, everybody is is doing the best that they can with the information they have. Yeah, and um, you know, we, but I we, even I even think this about you know, like there's there's okay, they're they're wicked men, but there's leftist governments in the world that are kind of just scrambling, and they're just going, sure. how do we do the? Okay, yes, I I get that these people have backed abortion in the past. I get it. Yeah, okay. But at the same time, I still think at the, that they are scrambling to most of them anyway. I don't think any of them are in the uh, in the background plotting with Bill Gates how to wipe out as many people or any of that kind of nonsense. They're yeah. they're panicking and there's a lot of panic around the place and if it's teaching us anything, we're not in control. Yeah. It, 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 you're exactly right. Yeah. And, and we need to be, I think you might've done an episode on this a couple of days ago or whenever it was, but we need to be careful <laughs> with, with yeah some, some of the weird stuff that's out there. Um, and, and I sympathize, you know, I, I sympathize with people because I will level with people. If you talk to me about 10 years ago, I was, ah, I don't, I, I wasn't ever into the flat earth theory or anything like that, but, you know, I was into a lot of different movements and I've just kind of come to the conclusion that, look, there's going to be some legitimate conspiracies that may be seen in history, maybe borne out, and you've got evidence for it. Cool. You've got evidence sure. for it, but it, it's, let's just say, it's not behind every rock and you can take yeah. this, you know, preconceived notion and just because somebody, oh, it's not what he's saying. It's it's what he's not yeah. saying, kind of, and it's unhealthy. And I know from experience, and this is why yeah. I'm coming from a position not saying oh, I'm smarter than you or anything like that. I know the temptation. I know the kind of comfort that can almost be offered—a cheap comfort of there is these shadowy people in control. Um, they're not. They might think they are, but they're they're certainly not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's no one in more control than God. So I, we just have to we have to rest in that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, they, California shut down early. Now I think what, you know, you look at, cause there are a lot of people that are a little bit, um, have been a, a bit, um, bewildered as to why California hasn't been, been hit harder, uh, with this because California has actually been doing pretty well. Um, we didn't spike as hard as, as some of the other States have, um, obviously everybody knows about New York, uh, but some of the other states like Louisiana, uh, Michigan, New Jersey, Massachusetts, uh, uh, they really, um, have been spiking pretty heavily. Uh, and, um, California, since they locked down so early, I think might've helped in some of this mitigation. 
there's also some excellent research that is that has just come out um, within the past few days uh, that shows uh, that California might have had um, a bit of a of a minor uh, coronavirus pandemic even a couple months ago uh, because. Um, back in December, January, there was about, there was over 700,000 people, I believe that traveled between, um, China and the United States. Um, and California is, is a big tourist spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and there's a lot of research to suggest that maybe it was, it was through here. Uh, I've heard a lot of testimony of people who, um, had all the classic coronavirus symptoms. Yeah, there might have been a spike in some of the hospitals, and they're scratching their heads, like, what's going wrong here? Because that's what happened to the Italian hospitals. Um, yeah. They didn't know what it was for a couple of weeks. I mean, right. even in a scary point of view from history, um, the Spanish flu, people, you know, people were getting sick, and <laughs> they probably just said back then, too, ah, it's just the flu. Uh, and then they realized, no, no, this is a tiny bit more serious. But I think... Even across history, this this happens. And I, I don't want to be glib about it or anything like that, but it does happen periodically. It hap I think maybe, and I was guilty of this as well, we're just thinking, you know what? Our medicine is so fantastic. We're so geared up. We've got this, we got that. Nothing like, I'm not saying it's going to be like 1918 or anything like that, but that we think that nothing in that scale can ever happen again. And mm -hmm. I think we're realizing no matter how much our medicine advances, we're always going to be scrambling and we've got to trust in the Lord because I, sure. you know, there's, yeah, I, you even see these, these people, um, there's a lot of, there's a, you know, the, I wouldn't say there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of agreement as well. Um, because I think, you know, nobody's saying the lock, lockdown is going to work forever. This is just kind of buying us time so we can, you know, like you're under, I was listening to somebody today who's a, who's in, who was in the U S army and he said, it's like being under artillery fire and you don't know what's happening. And we're kind of retreating for a little bit mm. to figure out who's attacking us, who's the enemy and how do we hit them back? Um, right. So I think that's the stage we're in. And I would just urge people be cautious and take advantage. I mean, of, okay, it's not like, yay, wonderful. You know, I'm in lockdown, but at the same time, there's a there's a time to spend with the Lord. There's a time to start singing mm. the Psalms at home. There's time to read those books that you've been that have been sick, sitting on your shelves, just like the ones behind you there. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. like I was telling you earlier, Paul. I've read at least the first page of all of these books. <laughs> really, that's more than mine. <laughs> I've at least got the first line done. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this is I, I I'm hoping everybody is is uh, not too distracted by my garage setup here. You know, that's your uh, garage garage. Yeah, this is a uh, working from home. Um, and uh, this is my this is my setup here. My my desk is actually over here. Uh, but the 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 view that way is just is not good. It's just a bunch of <laughs> shelving with a bunch of your standard garage stuff, you know. I would not have known that was like a garage. That. I would not have known unless you yeah. told me. Oh, you, you, the big dark secret's out. Everybody's going to have to turn yes. off the, the audio version after this and go to Megiddo TV and find out what he's talking about. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So I had a bookshelf sitting next to, uh, with, with all my books in it, sitting next to my desk here. And I thought, well, 
let me do a little makeshift desk kind of thing here, spin it around, give you a better view, um, and you could at least, uh, you know, see see my my mm-hmm. collection a little bit there. Like even I, so, I see in the background, I see John Bunyan, you know, which he wrote a lot of things in prison. So mm-hmm. a, a, a godly man said to, to us um, in a message that we heard just not too long before we actually finished up in college. Um, God is not limited by our circumstances. Mm, correct. And I, I remember I just thought how providential. I was just starting to take this whole coronavirus COVID-19 thing seriously. I mean, I actually, I was just so busy with college. I, I, you know, I, I looked at it a little bit and I was like, okay, that's over in China. Blip. And, you sure. know, I looked at it a little bit here and there. And as time went on, I was just like, huh, yeah, you know, maybe something here, you know? Um, but, you know, look, you know, in the midst of that, it is a kind of a, it's an eerie situation because everybody's looking out from their house. And I think this is, I I'm, I think I'm not the only person having this feeling. You know, you look outside going, birds are chirping. Everything mm-hmm. seems yeah. to be fine. You know, what's the problem? So we're, it's it, it, it's a strange situation. And um, uh, we stimulate your mind, um, grab some books off the shelf, get offline every now and again, even if you have to turn off this program. No, no, don't turn off this program. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't turn off the program. <laughs> but but tonight we're going to especially talk about something that's, that it does affect a lot of people, um, assurance of salvation. And I think, I personally think people are terrified of talking about this. I think it's a bit of a... a, a People are afraid of opening the can of worms. And for a number of reasons is perhaps they were given too quick of answers. And what I mean by that is this, that somebody asked maybe a couple of questions and you said yes to those questions. And then the person tried to reassure you. Now, I don't doubt that such attempts at reassurance were obviously meant well. You know, you you meet somebody and they're constantly you know, perhaps struggling with this all the time and you almost just want to kind of just shake him and say, are you trusting in the Lord? And I'm like, yeah, well, trusting, you know, like you, you want to get to that point, but we've almost got to resist the urge to take the role of the Holy Spirit. There's a sense in which that time of struggling, that time of wrestling with the Lord, if you will, is a great time of blessing if at the end of it you come more and more to the end of yourself. Um, I'll just share my ex- brief experience. I mean, it wasn't very long because it was my my conversion was fairly dramatic. But and I, if you would like to, dr- Brandon, you can after. Um, I remember I was saved a few months, and you have that initial euphoric feeling when you get saved. Everything mm. is wonderful. You're you're like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress. The burdens, mm. li- you're 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 so happy. Everything's wonderful, and then you fall into what was it? The pit of despair and all the other things. Um, I was watching, a, I think the Pilgrim's Progress movie with my children the other day. So, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the cartoon, the animated one, correct? It's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's great opportunity yeah, to talk about different illustrations that um, Bunyan used in there. And, you know, you do have that initial period where 
you feel so free. You're not really thinking about assurance. It depends on your experience of salvation. It's it's different for the person raised in a Christian family, raised maybe not even know when it came to faith. You know, mm -hmm. might have been the womb, might have been when they're two, might have been when they're five. You know, I don't think we can put a number on that or anything like that. Um, I would have come from circles before say, ah, oh, he don't he doesn't know when he made a profession. That means he's lost. Yeah. You, know, this, you, yeah. you want to be careful yeah. with that. Um, so I, for the first, there was a period after about six months after I got saved, I was still fairly involved in political activism. And there was a few doubts. I was just like, am I absolutely sure that if I died today, I would spend an eternity in the presence of the Lord? And there were some lingering doubts. And for me, I found it was getting rid of the things that were preventing me from spending more time with the Lord things that were worrying me, things that were just needed to be set aside. And it's different for everybody. It, it honestly is. And honestly, just some days, just spending a whole day reading through a whole book of scripture, reading through Job in a day and praying. And I think that's often why the Lord will keep insurance back from us. I, I don't know. What was your experience in, in from a personal point of view? Yeah. So mine had more to do. It was like a confusion of, um, what did the process of sanctification look like? And um, I didn't understand sanctifi sanctification um, the way that, you know, the, the biblical way that I, I should have. And so for me, sort of earlier on, uh, you know, I was raised in a Christian home, but I, I didn't, I didn't really own it uh, until much later uh, in life, probably my, my early twenties is when I really started owning it. Um, and, you know, was making an effort, um, to, uh, oh, just curious, would you whatnot. have thought like there was any particular point in your life where you came to faith or you're just not sure? Because it's interesting, you know, there's different experiences of this, I think. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a, um, a day or time or a, a, any specific yeah, date or anything like that where I could pinpoint and say, you know, this is when I, yeah, I, I would have been very much what you were just talking about. Like, I can't really say, you know, when exactly I, I came to faith. Um, you know, I, I believed it even as a teenager. Um, I don't think there was a, a as a teenager, even uh, a time when I wouldn't have confess the the faith uh i was i think i was baptized when i was 14 and um i i i would have always contended uh that you know the the for the gospel but it was i i would say at that time it was more of an easy believism um i i i kind of came from circles where I think it was more of like a well as long as you as long as you believe you know um then then you're you're good to go and and I didn't have a proper understanding of sanctification and what it looks what it looked like to work out your salvation with fear and trembling um the 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 idea that that genuine faith is going to produce fruit um 
because it becomes a kind of mysticism had much fruit doesn't it become a kind of if you if you don't like have a good grasp of what you quote unquote to look for you know to to trust in the promises of christ but how do you know you actually Mm. believe then there'll be fruit it becomes kind of mystical isn't it almost like you become i think there's a danger in trusting your faith perhaps or and then how do you know you have faith and it can i think it can lead to a lot of um anguish in the soul because we do wonder about these things don't we yeah yeah you know it's funny i just did a i just did a a podcast uh just a few days ago uh on legalism and i think that you know uh sproul uh talks about rc sproul talks about three types of legalism but well the first type of legalism he talks about is the one who follows um who 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 is essentially checking off the boxes right who um he's he's punching his ticket I'm checking the boxes off. I'm going to church. I'm doing this and that. Um, and therefore, you know, I'm, I'm good with God because I'm, I'm checking the boxes. And if anybody were to ask me, you know, uh, what I believe I would be, I would have had no problem saying, uh, you know, that salvation is, is, you know, by believing in Jesus. Right. Um, but so I could have said all the right things, uh, but there was no, it, it hadn't gone. It was just knowledge. It hadn't gone from, from the head to the heart. Uh, and I think that was what the, the you know, it was the letter of the law, not the spirit of law of the law, so to speak. And so, um, I could check off the boxes. I could answer all the right, the questions correctly. Uh, but I didn't, I wasn't owning it and making the Christian faith you know, I, it, it wasn't permeating every area of life. Um, and so I think that, and, and it's as an, I be- yeah, I, I think it's an important thing you say there as well, like that we don't believe that, the, that saving faith is just a mere intellectual assent to the facts of the gospel. There are, right. and there has been movements within Protestantism even that has held to that, the Roman Catholic Church historically, and still does, hold to that. John Owen wrote against that in his book on Justification by Faith Alone. Um, and the danger is that you just have a kind of, um, again, like box ticking, you know, okay, yes, I know what I believe. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. You're kind of ticking the boxes. These things are good. But have you in a... And I think this worries people sometimes. It's like to say that 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 element that in theology is called fiducia, uh, trust is an act of apprehension. And he's like, act? No, 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 no. There's no act in salvation. And people get very nervous about that. And the, the only way that a person can apprehend savingly upon the knowledge of Christ is if they've been regenerated prior to that, unless they've been born again, they're never going to do that. That faith that was given to them to apprehend that which by which they're saved is a gift of God. And I remember there recently um, in our systematic theology lectures, just something clicked with me in, in the midst of the lectures. And um, I remember just thinking, you know, because 
you know, in, in and this comes up sometimes hyper Calvinism, um, and and various talks like this that well they're so afraid of saying quote-unquote, you must do something. You're commanded to do something. You're, you're commanded to trust, to believe. Now, we have to make mm. a distinction, of course, between law and gospel, of course. But at the same time, we are commanded to believe the gospel, to repent of our sins and trust in him. And I think when we get so mystical about it, and have we really believed? Have we trusted? Mm. Are we still clinging to our old idols? And little things like that. You see, and I, I say this to people, you can never get to a point where you've, you've exhausted your study of the gospel, mm-hmm. of your knowledge of the gospel, what it means to be born again. And, the, you know, I did a program there a few episodes ago on justification by faith alone. <clears throat> I think our shallow understanding of justification by faith alone can often lead to a lack of assurance. What, do, mm-hmm. what did Christ achieve? You know, we say, well, we, by his death and resurrection, sure, absolutely, we, we need to be washed clean. But at the same time, the just shall live by faith. It's not just somebody with a clean slate. It's somebody with the positive righteousness of Christ. And if you are, if you have that perfect righteousness, there's no, there's no tiny, tiny space there even to shove in your own filthy rags i think if we understood this better we realize no no my faulty failing weak even mustard seed like faith is not what i'm depending on Mm -hmm. it's the means by which i i depend on right or lean on um, you try not to fall in any, you know, words when you're going through this kind of yeah. Somebody's out with a calculator, you know, writing down every, um, <laughs> he said this, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, any thoughts there, brother? Yeah. 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 So, you know, um, uh, I remember watching a lecture, uh, an RC, another RC Sproul lecture, uh, and, and he was talking about the three various, uh, levels of belief, if you will. And he talks about, and and you kind of pinpointed some of it there, uh, but he was talking about how um, at at one level there's a knowledge of the facts, right? Uh, just uh, just a pure knowledge of the facts. At the next level, there is a um, assent to the to to. Um, to the facts, so you're you're assenting that the facts are true. So knowledge of the facts, and then assenting that the facts are true, and that would be essentially where you know when James in James chapter two, when uh, James is saying you know you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder, right? So they're assenting that the facts are true, and they hate the facts. And then the third layer is genuine faith in which you apprehend and at, at like you were saying, and at the core of who you are, you're trusting in the facts. So knowledge of the facts, uh, assenting the facts are true, but hating them and then trusting in the facts. And that, that third level is where we have genuine faith. Right, that's genuine yeah. faith in Christ. Yeah, because it's important that we kind of understand. Like, I came 
years ago from a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Gordon Clark. And Gordon mm-hmm. Clark believed that it's a kind of um it's hard to know exactly what he believed, but he kind of smushed together those two last categories. And so the danger he said it was dangerous if you add trust on top of that because you're saying, well, it's faith plus something else. Mm-hmm. Um and the argument that they would use based on um the demons, well, the demons were never offered the gospel in the first place, so it doesn't really matter. Which would make kind of why would James even bring it up if it didn't really matter? Mm, but right. I digress. Um, it, it, it's it, the view. The more I've looked at it, it's a fairly. It's not a very common view in reform circles. It's common in Roman Catholicism because of um, the nature of their whole sacramental system and all that kind of thing on top of it. Um, but it, you have kind of a sand, Sandemanianism, which was a kind of an early easy believism. And I understand the temptation to go towards that. You're so afraid of anything, you know, an act of the will or an act of apprehension of the will, you know, laying hold upon uh, Christ, trusting in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and I was convinced of myself years ago. And then as time went on, I realized, oh, no, no, there's problems with this. And um, and it took time, and I and I would urge people to study it through. It is the Westminster um, view. I haven't, it, you know, if you look up the question on what is justifying faith, it's very very clear that this is the Westminster view. Mm. And now, but by that alone, yeah. it does not mean that therefore it is um, correct. I don't want to be arguing that, but at yeah. the same time. You want to have really good reasons for departing, 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 <laughs> departing from the consensus of godly men for hundreds and hundreds of years, and departing mm-hmm. towards territory which was often reserved for Roman Catholicism and Sandemanianism, and you know, and modern Sandemanianism would probably somebody like, I don't know, maybe even someone like Stephen Anderson or something like that. It would even varieties of that. Look, there's nothing new under the sun. That's why church history is so good. I wish I had Richard Muller's book in front of me and not the systematic theology, which is behind your head there, but not that I'm jealous or anything. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, He's got a really good dictionary on Latin and Greek terms. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I you have it. it. It's really, really good. And it's a really, really good an issue, issue as well. And it's a great thing to pull mm-hmm. off the shelf and check every now and again. If you're ever stuck with, you know, if you're going through any controversy and some book is quoting some Greek word and you're going, what what does that mean? That's a really good resource to have. I think it's called Greek and Latin um, Theological Terms. And uh, yeah, we might be recommending is, too many books. It is invaluable. Book. It is definitely <laughs> invaluable. I, I would highly recommend that. Um, for sure. Uh, you know, the, um, I think, you know, to, to just put more meat on the bones of what you're saying there, uh, you know, in regards to faith and, um, the idea of that being a work in, in itself. And, and of course, you know, we, we contend that it is not, um, but, you know, faith is simply the means by which grace flows down to us, you know? So if we look at, um, it's interesting. I I always kind of use this a lot analogy, and and I don't use them much because analogies always fall short. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if you have if you have God up here and and you're down here, and 
there were a conduit between you and God. And the water that flows through that conduit is grace. Well, the conduit itself is faith, mm-hmm. right? So faith is, it's that conduit. It's the means by which grace comes to us. And so uh, kind the, of a, uh, the a analogy, of The analogy I like a lot is actually, somebody's going to say probably I'm pagan for quoting this, but um, <laughs> R.C. Sproul has one in his book, Faith Alone, and it's, Quoting back to Aristotle's um, law, law causality, I think it is. I'm not a philosopher, so um, you know if somebody if I'm getting everything wrong here. But there's different causes, and two of the ones. Oh yeah, that's an excellent book. That's yeah. a really good book. There's two causes that are really important when we're thinking of, um, say, justification. And when we think of faith as a cause of salvation. We don't mean that in in the efficient cause. We distinguish the efficient cause of salvation is God and God alone. Yeah. But Correct. the instrumental cause, the instru- the instrument by which we're saved is faith. Now, right. just to give you an analogy, again, this is lifted from Sproul. This is not anything unique to me, and I think he lifted it from somebody else probably before that. Um, we're all stealing from each other. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's um, the best way to do it. The, the idea is of, imagine God as a sculptor, and he's the, the, the efficient cause is the sculptor, and the, um, the, the instrumental cause is the chisel working mm-hmm. away on on the granite and he's knocking away it'd be like if we wrote if we wrote with a pen that's the means by which we right. wrote the book but you'd never say Correct. that the pen wrote the book but it is the instrumental cause Correct. of the book but the person would be the efficient cause so and, and we go we you labor through these definitions so that we never add to the work of god it is a work of God alone, but he works through means. And it's also important that we emphasize means, because if he doesn't work through means, can any of us really have proper assurance? Right. If we weren't different on this earth, we're just walking around, how do we know? We would be right. tormented all the time. So... There are blessings involved in in knowing these things. They're not just theological things for smoking rooms uh, with pipes and all that for you know the smart guys who are sticking around afterwards. This is for anyone. Now, maybe if you're new to the faith, you're probably not going to start off there. You know, maybe read right. through a shorter catechism of some description. Um, like Spurgeon has got a good little booklet kind of catechism or um the westminster shorter catechism something you know people often ask and i i never knew how to answer them for years i'm new to the faith what do i read i never knew what to say for years shorter catechism right go straight there find out what these things are go to the go to the references obviously read through your bible as well compare with scripture but at the same time there's these truths we're neglecting and when these truths are neglected our spiritual life will suffer. Our joy will suffer. Um, if we make the joy, our level of joy, the the thing we pin our hat on, we're in danger. I don't know if you saw the program I did on, on John Piper, where he seemed to really mm-hmm. over-egging the pudding a little bit on, shall we say, um, just to simplify it a little bit, that you know, Christian 
you know, that, that joy or emotions are essential to saving faith. So mm. what happens when you're, when you're at the pit of despair? Um, sure. And there are some people who are more prone to it than others. Um, so, and, and we're not, we're individuals. We're built differently, right. I think. You know, we're going to have similarities, but some of us are more prone to depression. You know, mm -hmm. I think if you go through history, people like Luther, Spurgeon. Yeah, yeah. Up Absolutely. and down like yo-yos. Um, you know, who knows what they would have said about him today in psychological textbooks. Um, but at the same time, the Lord uses imperfect people. We have to realize that and... And, um, so I don't, I was thinking maybe we'll just read through the confessions. If, I don't know. This is, this isn't meant as a jab, but they probably say more or less the same thing. <laughs> they do. No, they, no, they do. Actually, I've got, yeah. um, I've got, uh, um, so this is, you, your listeners are probably going to make fun of me for quite some time because I've they're they're gonna say I wonder if if uh, if Brandon likes Sproul because literally everything he's <laughs> quoting and everything he's using is Sproul. Oh, by the way, here's uh, you know Sproul's study Bible, oh, the Reformation wow. study. So you know they're gonna. Say, I wonder you know uh, no. So funny quick story for your listeners as I've told you before, uh, Paul. That mm -hmm. I came to. Uh, an understanding of the Reformed Gospel first by reading R.C. Sproul's uh, book, What is Reformed Theology? And I uh, did not, I, it was uh, during a time in which I was being challenged because I had angst and, and uh, honestly hatred towards uh, the Reformed position. And so uh, I remember being challenged, you know, hey, you, everything you learn about Reformed theology is from people who hate Reformed theology. So I had some good brothers in the Lord who challenged me to read some Reformed guys because I never had. Uh, and so— What a novel idea. Uh, yeah, what a novel <laughs> idea. Yeah, they're like, hey, how come you never quote any Reformed people? And I would encourage um, people listening, if you're thinking, I don't like the Reformed position, have you read any Reformed books? And I mean from start to finish. Yeah. I don't mean selective quotes. And Correct. then somebody else has given their commentary on it. Go read an entire book, cover to cover, and then get back to me. <laughs> and try to have a, and try to have an open mind about it too, because that was the thing that I at least I did that. At least I said, okay, fine, I'll try to have an open mind, not try to, you know, inject my preconceived notions into this. Uh, let me try to have an open mind here and and read. And the only reformed guy I even knew at the time was was R.C. Sproul. And, um, uh, and I wasn't going to read Calvin cause I'm sure I wasn't going to understand him. So I was like, well, <laughs> let me read, I know, I know Sproul, let me read Sproul, right? So I read what is Reformed theology and it really started opening up my understanding. And I started realizing that there wasn't so much that I actually disagreed with. Uh, and then, so then it, at that point it was just like I started going crazy. I started reading everything I could really get my hands on. And I, I didn't, um, ever since then I hadn't read or listened to a lot of RC Sproul. Well, within the past year, year and a half, probably I've been reading and listening to a lot more RC. And honestly, the man was quite the theologian. I mean, he, he was, was some teacher. Excellent. He was some teacher. He was, 
He yeah. was excellent. He was excellent. And, and um, he could take something quite has, complex and make it sound easy. Exactly what I was just going to say. He, he has such a knack for, for, cause he is still so intellectual, but he has such a knack for taking those intellectual concepts and bringing them down so that the layperson can understand. And I just thought I really respected that. But that's a really. sign of a great teacher. That's a sign yeah. of a great teacher. I am, um, you know, you might, people can, be up here and we can speak and and sometimes the problem is we're not good enough teachers sometimes and myself included to bring it down to that level to use those simple analogies to uh, he, he, i mean listening to his lectures is just i don't agree with him on everything mm -hmm. by the way there's going to be some areas i vehemently disagree with him on the second commandment a few other things like that but he was an amazing well, teacher and i don't agree with him on anything because i'm a baptist you know that, <laughs> <brothers>. <laughs> oh boy uh we'll edit that one out <laughs> hey, uh, no but like he was a tr i think everybody should at least read on any topic read sproul um Except maybe the second command, but anyway, <laughs> no. But but even look, read the different arguments, um, and it, it's an important thing to. I look, we all have this tendency. We either like the dead guys, or we don't read any of the dead guys. I, I find we either fall into one of these two camps. Um, I try to have to jump around in different periods of time. I try to read somebody from modern times. I try to read somebody from the nineteenth century from Puritan era, and they keep changing around because the problem is every era of Christian history has its problems, has its strengths, has its weaknesses, all this kind of stuff. And um, sorry, you're probably getting into a point there that uh, you look like you're gearing no, up. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I, um, one last thing on that. If wait a really long time before you read Jonathan Edwards, though. <laughs> I, I wasn't smart I, enough to I do still that. Can't read, I still can't read Jonathan Edwards. I've, I've got his works up there. It, he's hard to read. <laughs> well, here's the thing. With Jonathan Edwards, I love him. He was brilliant. But and the slight word of caution on freedom of the will, I think he he was almost too smart, if you know what I mean. He was a genius. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He was an incredible mind. But mm. there comes a limit. And I think John Calvin and other people had the discipline to kind of go, how far could the human mind go into understanding these things? And I yeah, think we'll at times... Back a little bit. Yeah, I think at times he went too far, honestly. Okay. Uh, this is not a kind of a slight... Like, I mean, brilliant, brilliant theologian. Everyone should read him. Everybody should have him on the shelf and everything else like that. But I would just urge, you know, especially the metaphysics parts. And so I think his sermons are far better. I think his sermons are amazing. Yes, um, correct. But uh, I'm not saying don't read it, but you're going to be, you have to be patient. Reading John Owen, reading Jonathan Edwards, um, don't start off there. Read no, Thomas Watson and yeah. people like that, Spurgeon, uh, people who... Um, it, the Beatitudes by Thomas Watson. Calvin wasn't difficult. Yeah. He wasn't. Um, no, he was, no, he was not at all, actually. No, Calvin actually is very... I love Calvin's writing style. Uh, he And Calvin was not afraid to be blunt, too. He was not afraid to say if this was stupid or idiotic. I mean, he just you got to love the way his candor. I mean, it was really, mm -hmm. you know, he's... 
But I have really a th- pretty good. I have a theory, right? Um, I, I'm by no means a Calvinist scholar or anything like that. I've, I'm on my second time reading through the, the Institutes, but I have a theory that Beveridge's translation makes mm. him sound difficult to mm. read. I have no doubt that Beveridge's translation, Henry Beveridge, for those who are not aware, was a translation done about 200 years ago. Look, it is an excellent translation. It just sounds very flowery at times. Um, and I would urge people to get, I was very reluctant to get it because it cost about 50 quid and it was slow to do and I already had one translation of it. But, but I think it's Battles. Um, battles? Yeah, and I think this is a way, it might not be to the letter as quite as, you know, close to the Latin, um, but I think this is how Calvin should be read because Calvin was never meant to be highbrow or anything else like that. Very much systematic theology, yes, but a simple one, as simple as possible, meets a devotional. And that's kind of the way... Calvin's Institute should be. Calvin's Institutes should be to the case where any Christian can go through it. And I think sometimes beverages translate, maybe just for more modern audiences, maybe it was fine at the time, um, are going to just struggle a little bit. So if you are struggling through the beverage translation, even though it is a lot cheaper and Hendrickson sell it for yeah. a lot less, there's a reason, I think copyright or something like that. But I would go with... Um, the more modern actually, one, just a little by the way. Yeah, actually, I agree because I was just looking really quick as you were talking, and um, and that's the one I have pinned as my my preferred one as well. The battles. So, anyways, we're way <laughs> off. <here>. But, <laughs> Tangents <laughs> re- reversing here. But we always do this whenever oh, we talk. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is, this we're is basically standards. having our Skype call that we would have had put on a program, and right, and exactly. you're all joining in, and uh, hopefully find it interesting, and uh, hopefully find it edifying. Well, and by the way, if uh, you mentioned it, I think earlier, uh, but if any of your listeners have any questions, if anybody chimes in the comments with any questions or anything, uh, you know, feel free to to rifle them off, and we can mm-hmm. go through any of those. Amen. But I guess to get more to the to the point, you we're we're about ready to get into uh, talking about the confession. Um, I I have been using excellent, excellent, excellent book, Truths We Confess, uh, R.C. Sproul's commentary. On the uh, on the Westminster Confession, um, you know he only he the only thing he needs is some tweaks on the section on baptism. But other than that, um, you know he's it may well be true. Great. I don't know. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe he's a bit weak in the mood. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. So um, where would you like to start with this? Well, um, I suppose we'll just read through it. Um, we can just take maybe a paragraph each or something like that. Um, sure. uh, if you want to read paragraph one, then we'll just comment on it briefly and just kind of go through a th- few things. Again, um, if you... I don't know how it works in the chat room sometimes. I mean, I'm I'm still f- fairly green when it comes to live programs and I'm learning a- on the fly. Because uh, I know that some people want to remain anonymous. And if you want to email me, I'm going to set up my email that I can go to my email at the same time. I know that some people don't want their names mentioned. They don't want people knowing and all this kind of stuff. If you want to email me, miguelofilms at gmail.com. While this program is taking place, I'll answer your question. And none of your private details will be used if you so wish. If you want your name to be mentioned, that's grand. That's no problem. Um, But some people might be shy about asking it. But... Megiddo Films, that's M-E-G 
iddofilms at gmail.com. And I have it open there. And and if you want to remind me in the chat room, I send you an email. <clears throat> you can do that in the chat room too. <laughs> so Brandon, you can read the first paragraph there, please, of chapter 18 yeah. of the Westminster. Absolutely. Uh, so it says as follows. Although hypocrites and other unregener unregenerate men may vainly deceive themselves with false hopes and carnal presumptions of being in the favor of God and a state of salvation, which hope of theirs uh, shall perish, yet such as truly believe in the Lord Jesus and love him in sincerity, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before him, may, in this life, be certainly assured that they are in the state of grace and may rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, which hope shall never make them ashamed. So, yeah. So that's paragraph one. And, and just to confirm, this is chapter 18 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, look, I think I probably may be guilty of this as well. It's hard to know. We all kind of you know, in preaching or in, in teaching programs or in focus, it's very easy to, because you see, you know, false converts. I remember there were people that I shared the gospel with early on, thought they were saved, and then they fell away. So it made me really kind of go into, oh, there's there's people unconverted. and But there's also people who are struggling, who are genuine Christians, born again, Absolutely. And um, the Puritans were very good on this, by the way. Uh, and they did not, you know, that that tender conscience. And that's something that I'm so thankful to the professors at the college I'm at to helping me to see that because that's that's why you go, you know, none of us are the finished articles. We need to learn things. There's going to be areas we major on that we shouldn't, and there's going to be strengths and weaknesses and things that have to be worked out. But yes, there are, although hypocrites and unregenerate men may vainly deceive themselves of false hope. It's true. And in the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the gospel should remove false hope from those who shouldn't have it, for those who have no reason to have it, for those who are remaining, for example, in, say, they're in a homosexual relationship, the, the gospel preaching should remove any hope from that person. They shouldn't go, well, I'm a believer. You have... As long as you're continuing that lifestyle, you have no reason to believe you are a believer. Um, there, you know, it, it is not consistent with a credible profession of faith. Or, for example, if you remain in a, an adulterous relationship, or you are drunk all the time, or name this sin that defines you and the way you live. I'm not saying that the Christians can't backslide, or that we can't mm. have a period where we have a rough season or that we may have to avoid certain things, or we may have weaknesses in certain areas. That's the course. And we, we all have weaknesses in certain areas. Actually, the, the, the wisest people are the people who see that they have the weakness in that area and don't trust in themselves and avoid that area. That's wisdom. It's not going to go, oh, I'm so strong, I can face that. No, no, no. No, that's when you fall into temptation, and that's when you realize you are not strong enough. Um. And then it says, carnal presumptions of being in the favor of God. Again, the, those people who are hypocrites, the, the Judases within the church, who look for all intents and purposes, they are born again, they're on carnal presumptions in, that they're in the favor of God. Their private life, the life when nobody else sees them, does not point towards Christ. 
Again, we don't trust in our works. We don't trust in any of that thing. But at the same time, if you don't see apple trees on the tree, you have no reason to think that there was an apple seed planted in the first mm. place. Um, but before we get on to the, the more encouraging part, would you like to say anything about that section there yourself, brother? Yeah, um, you know, uh, again, ripping off from Sproul. <laughs> uh, <you're, laughs> Your listeners are going to get tired we're, of this. You know what? We're going to call this episode Ripping Off Sproul. And everybody's going to be so what curious, we're... what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, actually, I, I'm just going off of uh, kind of some of the things he talks about in his, his commentary, but I think it's it's great wisdom. You know, he talks about, uh, in respect to the assurance of salvation, you, you essentially have um, four different categories of people. And he says that um, you have those who are not in a state of grace, and they know that they're not, and you know they don't care to be. You know, this, this is the unregenerate person who um, who doesn't want anything to do with religion. You know, maybe your classic atheist or something like that. Uh, and then you've got somebody who is in a state of grace, uh, but they don't have the assurance that they are. And that's where, you know, you have a lot of people who are struggling, you know, what you were just talking about, brother, uh, uh, just um, people who are kind of working things out and, and, and trying to figure things out there. Maybe they're maybe they've fallen away and they're in a bad spot and they're wondering, gosh, am I am I even am I even still Christian, you know, um, and so. And it's important too are, that and it's important to the church, right, that we if somebody has fallen into sin, that we make sure that those people fall into sin, that our doors open. We're mm. open to reconciliation. We're open to repentance. When church discipline ever comes into the picture, that it's always with, with regards to reconciliation, not nabbing somebody, not, aha, I got you kind of thing. And, you know, like sometimes it may be used, but in a sense of, reconciliation we want repentance and we want um like you get into the whole issue of church discipline there but reconciliation so and they should feel that say you don't so suffer with assurance well other people may and we should make sure in our conduct that we're not like well you know what as soon as you cross me i i ain't touching you again until you come back groveling yeah, we can't yeah, be having, like that. We gotta have we gotta have grace with people. We have grace for for people where they're at because you have to remember, you know, the Lord's gracious with us, right? And so, um, you know, we offend the Lord. We do things. We we sometimes offend others, maybe un maybe knowingly, maybe unknowingly, uh, and we've got to have grace for people in in the circumstances that they're in. And so, yeah, you have that group of people that that do have they are in a state of grace, but they're struggling with assurance. And then you have people who are in a state of grace, and they know they're in a state of grace, and they 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 have full assurance, and that's great. Praise God, that's awesome. And then you have probably the most dangerous category of people who think that they're in a state of grace and they're not. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, and, and I think the question will come up for some people who maybe are struggling with assurance, right? Um, how do, how do I know, um, if I'm one who is under grace, but, um, I'm struggling with, with assurance, uh, or, or how do I know if I think I am, I do have assurance, 
and and maybe but i'm not in a state of grace and how do i know if i'm know that i'm saved and and i really am you know so there's kind of like there can be some confusion amongst these categories right so how do i know you know whether i am or i'm not and we don't want to make it too complicated either for people as well because it's very in the very base root level what are you trusting how are you standing before heaven? Are you going to be saying, look at all the great things I've done? You're saying, no, 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 no. All those things are but filthy rags. I am trusting completely and entirely upon Christ and any biblical assurance must start from there. And I think that's the, that's the absolutely 100% the, the key right there is that a lot of times the people who think they're saved, but they're not saved, and these are the people who are like Matthew chapter 7, they're going to stand before the Lord, Lord, Lord. Look, look at all the wonderful things I did in your name, right? I, you know, depart from me, I never knew you, you know, you worker of iniquity, right? So these are the people who, who have a false idea uh, uh, of what's of the way of salvation, right? Um, they maybe think that salvation is by works or keeping the law or whatever it may be, right? Um, but if we're trusting and resting in the finished work of Christ, if, you know, those, this is another very comforting thing too. Remember that the spirit of God bears witness to our spirit, that these things are true, right? And so if the spirit is within us, it's going to be working within us and we're going to be, it's, there's going to be an outpouring of the spirit in our lives. And we can, go and we can look at the, the, you know, Galatians, uh, the, uh, fruits of the spirit, our lives will be, uh, identified, uh, by the fruits of the spirit. It's going to, it's going to manifest itself in various ways throughout our life, uh, in a way that it's not going to in, in an unregenerate person. And we have to remember that until, until the last day, there will be tares among the wheat. There's going to be people sitting in our pews, and they may be members of that congregation for years and years and years and years, and they're not going to be genuine believers. They're there for whatever reason. They think they're getting their their they're punching their ticket. They're checking off the box boxes. They're they may even be involved in various ministries. They might even be in a Bible study. You never know, but. But, and, and I think it's gonna and it's gonna surprise us on the last day. Some mm-hmm. who and and it might be vice versa. Those some who go, mm, I'm not too sure about that person. And mm-hmm. they will have faith. I, I think we've got to be very careful when not to say this person's saved, this person's lost. Deal with them in the basis of they're they're a member of the visible church and leave that to the fa- you know, it's a fallible decision, you know, like you know, when somebody becomes a member of the church, have they got a credible profession of faith? Mm. If you have the faith of a mustard seed and you're trusting in Christ, if you're trusting in Christ, no matter how weak and, and frail that faith may be, you are saved. You know, mm. to whatever degree that may be. But at the same time, we want you, as we're going through anybody listening, to, to grow in that faith. That way you grow closer to the Lord and that way you grow have greater confidence in the Lord, greater comfort in the Lord. And you, as time goes on, as you grow in these things, you fear less and less. Now, 
the Christian life is not just a straight line going up and up and up. There'll be blips. There'll be setbacks. Right. You'll trip, you'll fall down. Um, the more I look through the illustrations given in Pilgrim's Progress, the more I like it, the more you kind of go, yeah, that really does describe our path along to the celestial city because children get overconfident at times and they fall into the ditch and, and they trip mm -hmm. and they, and they end up, you know, fighting sin at times in their own strength, not in the power of the Lord. And sometimes they have to learn that the hard way, but in all these things remind us that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. There's a purpose in all these things. And if you are in Christ, the Lord is using these things to chasten you if needed. Um, and there may be times where bad things are happening. You may have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, am I, you know, in a certain area? It does not necessarily mean that, as we saw with Job. Job is a godly man. Um, but at the same time, we shouldn't discount it and all this. But we we don't want cheap assurance, shall we say. We don't want to just, for that person who is struggling, you want comfort. Look to Christ. And then you say, well, how do I know I'm looking to Christ? Well, there will be fruit. And to be honest, other people will see it. There's a bit of an old saying. Is I don't know if it's in a, was it a Keith Green line or something like that? Your mom will know you're a Christian or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that one. <laughs> I might be making it up. Maybe it was something I dreamt. I don't know. That's okay if you are. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, you people will know. This kind of like, there's no kind of getting away from this. People will know. What is your interest? What do you talk about? There's something wrong in a, us if, you know, what you do with the weekend? I went to church. Yeah. You, know, you talk to people at work yeah. or whatever else the case may be. Yeah, you know, and, and what's your describing is is the sanctification process right i mean th there is because a lot of people are going to say well gosh you know i keep I, I i'm messing up here i'm messing up there i'm i'm i feel you know like i'm in a bad place and am i even still a christian and uh, i just keep you know making mistakes and whatnot and and there again this is part of sanctification are we learning from these things are we are we the fact that we're even realizing that we're messing up is is a great thing, right? We're we're acknowledging like, hey, we're sinners, I'm, and and I, and, and the unrepentant and the un, and the dead sinner is going to say it's going to you know like the adulteress described in in the book of Proverbs wipe wipe her mouth and say I've done no evil, and you know it's all fine. That's the person who should worry. But if you kind of every time you fall into sin and you're, 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 you hate your sin, I say, I'm such a wretch. And then you might be thinking, well, how can I even be saved if I'm like this? Well, the fact that right. you hate your sin is a good indicator that you are a Christian. The fact that you say, no, I couldn't trust anything within me. And that's where the, the, the focus needs to turn to Christ. Primarily, it's, it's are you trusting the promises of Christ? And then how do you know after that that you actually are? I saw, I, I heard one theologian say, um, I won't name who he was, R.C. Sproul, um, <laughs> say... This is like the R.C. Sproul episode. <laughs> uh, but this one theologian uh, said, 
said it this way, and again, I thought it was so good, but said, um, you know, people will come up to him and say, you know, with these questions, you know, I, I just don't know. They're struggling with assurance, and they'll say, well, <clears throat> do you love Jesus perfectly? And the answer, of course, is no. Second question, do you love Jesus like you ought to? Clearly, the answer is no, because if the answer was no to the first question, it's going to be no to the second question. Third question, do you love Jesus at all? The biblical Jesus. Do you love him at all? Do you? Does your heart hurt when you sin against him? Mm. And, and if the answer is yes. Well, then clearly you're in a state of grace because the spirit is is causing conviction. The spirit is is uh, longing to uh, serve Christ and to to um, to be sanctified and to love him as you ought to love him, right? the The Spirit of God uh, wants to commune with the Spirit of God. And so, you know, the fact that sin, bothers you at all the fact that you're asking these questions why am i why do i keep messing up i mean that's a that's a good place to be because as you're sanctified right day by day we're going to be sanctified more and more and like like you say paul like the christian life is just not a straight up you know there's hills and valleys right there we go through good times and and bad times but during those bad times, the Lord is doing something, right? That God is bringing us through those difficult times uh, because uh, there's something that He's teaching us. He maybe maybe we've been too high on the hill for too long, and the Lord needs to bring us down to to cause us to rely on Him in a way that we haven't been relying on Him. Correct? Mm. And that's yeah. I I can't remember the book. I think it was Heaven and Earth was the book, and. We were doing a, it was a study in a church one time, um, and one of the points was why God may withhold assurance for a time. And it, it's always struck with me why God may withhold assurance for a time in a true believer, in a true believer, that we would not trust in ourselves, that we would be drawn to him for comfort, not to kind of go, ah, I'm saved, I'm good. No, to draw us ever closer to him and that we would glorify him. Do you want to read the next? Is it your your turn to read the next paragraph? Right, paragraph two, isn't it? Well, before before oh, yeah, we you read that, just real yep. quick, I wanted to read something from. Uh, it, it's it's probably one of my favorite. I, I mean, I just is this is such a sweet uh, uh, paragraph of the confession, um, and uh, it, it it pertains to what you were just saying there. But it's chapter five of the the confession of providence. And it's, it's paragraph five, and it says, The most wise, righteous, and gracious God doth oftentimes leave for a season his own children to manifold temptations and the corruption of their own hearts, to chastise them for their former sins, or to discover unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts, that they may be humbled, and to raise them to a more close and constant dependence for their support upon himself and to make them more watchful against all future occasions of sin and for sundry other just and holy ends. And I think that is just the sweetness of the Lord to allow us to 
go through difficult times and to suffer because suffering and pain will cause us to run back to the Lord and, and depend upon him and remember our Savior. Amen, amen. And yeah, that's the thing. This, this, just to remind ourselves, whatever's going on, that there's a purpose. There's a mm -hmm. purpose to all these things. It's not just random. It's not just... And there may come times, and this is why it's good to to look through the Psalter, to, to sing through the Psalter, because there are points in the Psalter where there's that agonizing prayer, mm. almost in a sense, oh Lord, why is this happening to me? Why, not in a kind of a complaining sense, but in a, oh Lord, please deliver me, um, you know, examine my heart, things like that, um, always designed to bring us closer to him, to trust more and more upon him. Would you like to read paragraph two there, actually? Yeah. Absolutely. Let's do it. It says, this certainty is not a bare, conjectural, and probable persuasion grounded upon a fallible hope, but an infallible assurance of faith founded upon the divine truth of the promise of salvation, the inward evidence of those graces unto which these promises are made, the testimony of the spirit of adoption witnessing with our spirits that we are the children of God, which spirit is the earnest of our inheritance, whereby we are sealed to the day of redemption. Amen. Amen. And, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a bare, 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 uh, bare conjecture, conjecture or probable persuasion. It's not like we're going, mm, I think this is more probable than something else. You know, it is a sure right. hope. It is a sure confidence. It is because oftentimes, sadly, sometimes the faith can be presented that way. Sometimes, um, uh, not to be named, well, I don't care what name names, like something like William Lane Craig, it's kind of more the way it's presented, the Christian faith is, well, this is more probable than the, the negative, and therefore we accept it. That is not Christian faith. It is a sure foundation. Like, for example, when the heavens declare the glory of God, when we look at creation, when we examine our hearts, when we look at the evidence all around us, there's no denying and I would say, like, not just that there's a God, you know, like in a general sense, mm. who the creator is. Th this good, wise, kind, loving God of order who creates all these things. And it says the heavens declare the glory of God, not just of a general mm -hmm. God or pointing towards God. I, that, I remember that struck me one time looking through apologetics, books and presuppositionalism and and you know the, the the classic reform position and all this kind of stuff that it just kind of struck me as Romans one is not saying to me or, or at least uh, you know our Psalm nineteen that there's a God and now we're going to derive more and more no no the heavens declare the glory of God and and we we have of course we've we are Im the image of God is defaced within us. But we were created in God's image, and there's that law of God, which written in our hearts, of course, if we're, if we're lost, we suppress the truth and righteousness, and if we're mm -hmm. born again, that law has been written in our hearts. That, you know, I almost right. liken it to, we, 
prior to our, our, our regeneration, we were holding down, fighting against that law. But now mm. we, we grow to love that that image is renewed uh, and we're born again in that sense and that we, we, we do what we've been created to do. The, the, the question one of the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, what is man's chief end? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So then that becomes our chief end. We no longer live for these temporal foolish things of the world. This is what we've been created to. We've been, we're image bearers of God and no, now no longer denying that. And we see lots of examples mm. of that. And the more we love God's truth, the more we love the gospel, the more we know about the gospel, the more certainty that we have in the truths of the gospel, basically the more time we meditate upon the word of God. And we have to remind ourselves over daily, time and time again, reading your word, praying over it, the promises of God, because when you forget the promises of God, we're liable to do that. All of us are. It's, it's just the way we, we, we be created. Our assurance would fade. And I just, hmm. uh, just for the sake of time, I just wanted to look at paragraph four as well. Just talking about how true believers, it says in paragraph four, true believers may have the assurance of their salvation, uh, divers ways shaken, diminished. And intermittent. I just want to like just quote or just deal with that for a second. True believer, you can't lose your salvation. If you are, if you could lose your salvation, to quote from John MacArthur, not Sproul for a change here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we, if we do, if if we could lose our salvation, we would. We would. Mm-hmm. We would. Mm-hmm. We we'd lose it instantane actually we'd never if it any of it ever depended on us even the tiniest minutiae scintilla we would have no hope either beginning middle or end so we en- we enter faith we enter into heaven by faith alone it's got nothing to do with our works it is not a means by which uh, that's something that's been debated as well in various circles over the last couple of decades it's very important that we realize that that we realize what Christ achieved, so we shut mm-hmm. the door, and that we will not be kind of going, well, do I, what level? How, how much works do I need? Well, right. here's the thing. The, the thief on the cross, how long did he have? He looked towards Christ. And there's a sense in which he did, you know, people say, oh, he didn't, he did have fruit. You know what the fruit was? He looked to Christ. That was the fruit. Mm-hmm. Remember me when you go into your kingdom. You who no longer look to Christ in the past, and now you're looking to Christ, that is a fruit of regeneration. That is a fruit. If you're just, you, you, you've been saved a week or saved two weeks, how do you know? Are you looking to him as the eye of faith? Looking to, are, you point, are you looking to him and not to yourself? Lest any man should boast. Any uh, closing comments? Because, I mean, you could spend 10 hours talking about this. This is a, a huge, <laughs> huge topic. Yeah, absolutely. We could. I, I think that, um, but just to kind of wrap it up here, um, I think just kind of spitballing off of everything that you've already said, um, it's important to remember um, 
the work of Christ, uh, to remember that there is nothing uh, that we can do to uh, increase that standing or, or be, you know, to much less, you know, just to be there in the first place. But um, the work of Christ, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of people understand why Christ died on the cross. So, you know, you could ask somebody, you know, why did Christ die on the cross? They say, well, you know, he, he, uh, he died so that he uh, could take upon our sins and, and we would be forgiven. Um, but then the, probably not a more important question, but equally important question is why did Christ live? Because if that was the whole purpose, right? If the purpose was just that, so he could just die and, and uh, he could, uh, you know, take, take away our sin. Well, then why not have Jesus just show up out of the desert at some point And he just walked in and said, all right, I'm here to, here to go to the cross. I'm here to die for your sin. It was important that he was born that he lived, and he lived a perfect, sinless life, so as to fulfill the works of the law, right? He had to be that spotless, sinless lamb that takes away the sin of the world, right? He had to to be completely obedient, even to the point of death, to achieve a righteousness that now is imputed to us, so that we don't have to do the work. The work's already been done. Um, and so it's important to remember that Jesus's life and his ministry is equally as important as his death and his resurrection. Um, and so, you know, we rest in that. We rest in the work of Christ. There's not anything else that we need to do. Now, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, when we come to faith, right, when the, the faith that we have is a gift, and then after that, he sets the work before us. Right, we are created for His workmanship, and that work, He He provides and He sets it before us, and our responsibility is to just now walk in that, and and as we do, the fruit of 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 righteousness is going to be made evident in our life. It's going to work itself out as we walk through this this Christian life, and on this topic of assurance it's it's so applicable because as if you're struggling if you're struggling with assurance you know am i saved i don't know where i'm at with you know i mean go to the word of god and and spend time in prayer spend time with the lord and just be quiet be still before the lord and have the lord just allow the spirit of god to just to renew your your faith and and uh, the fact that you're even there asking those questions is a step in the right direction and so go to the lord and and allow yourself to be renewed by his spirit by the word of god and um and then don't don't uh, you know don't feel condemned don't don't stay don't stay in that place of 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 um frustration and anguish I mean, move move forward and and do the work that the Lord uh, has has prepared, and 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 you know, talk to somebody, talk to a brother or sister in the Lord, to, and and help them, you know, have them help you stay accountable. Uh, you know, somebody that can pray for you. That's that's would be my my advice. Amen. And and we re- and just a verse that came to mind there is 
just to, are we trusting God's mm-hmm. promises? Because if we do stay in a condemned position, are we trusting that Christ will forgive? And you know, when you when you right. when you look at places like First John chapter two verse one, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and for not for our sins only, for sins of the whole world. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So, yes, we are still sinners this side of eternity, but if we're trusting in Jesus Christ, he is the one arguing our case. He is our a lawyer or advocate. He is the one representing us, not based on our merits. He's arguing his own merits, and that should... Are we trusting that? You see, the thing is, there may be an issue of, are we trusting in the promises of God? Are we trusting what God says, or are we, is there something holding us back? It can be a multifaceted, and I think what what kind of annoys people sometimes is there's not just a checklist. Oh, check, you know, tick a few boxes, and therefore, you're fine. You're assured. Mm -hmm. And this can be really, really hard, especially when you're dealing with children. The temptation Mm -hmm. can be to put your arm around your child who just says, and I had one of my children say this with me too. I don't know if I'm saved. The temptation, your your heart bleeds as a as a father, and you want to comfort them and say, oh, "You're you know you you believe, don't you?" And of course they're going to say yes. Mm. They're five. Sure. They're going to sure. they're going to nod their head to anything you say. You know, you could say yeah. that the moon is made of cheese sometimes, and they go, "Uh huh, uh huh." Now they might turn around <laughs> and a few seconds later and go, "Huh." <laughs> so you know, you have to factor that in, and I I will just. I say to my children time and time again, if you trust in Jesus Christ, look to him and to him alone, you will spend an eternity with him in paradise. And you remind them of the blessings of heaven. Why is heaven heaven? Because heaven is there. Do you, and like, ask them questions. Do you love his word? Do you want to read his word? We're trying to get our children now to, to read more and more and hopefully just set that goal before them that, they will read the, the word of God by themselves. Not at that point yet. I mean, they're not even six yet, but we're getting them to read a few verses verses every day. And we help them with a few difficult verse, uh, words and just say, you know, I'll get you a Bible. Would you like to read it by yourself? And just to keep mm-hmm. saying, here's the goal. We want you to mature more and more. And that, that's what we got to do in a Christian life as well. We've got to, I suppose, not just kind of be every five seconds, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. It's like, trust Christ Mm-hmm. for salvation follow him and realize what the bible also promises it will cost you it will cost you and maybe hard times are ahead we don't know how hard they'll be how rough they'll be but i tell you times like this will often be the sweetest times of communion why because it's when a loved one is in icu and you don't know what's going to happen i tell you then that those are the times when you're focused in prayer. Those are the mm-hmm. times when you're weeping before the Lord, when you're just you're you're desperate, and you you earnestly you kind of see whether you're just going to God for you know those times can really bring out in the same way fire will bring out whether it's you know wood hay and stubble or whether it's gold silver or whatever else it may be to see what are could say what our faith is made of and draw us ever closer to him. Look, 
if we're living for eternity, and I, I've said this before a few times, I would much rather we went through the worst time with this coronavirus thing rather than if it meant lots of people came to Christ, right? Obviously, I don't want to go, yay, you know, <laughs> you know, um, plague's coming, let's have more. Not in that sense, but if it's a choice between easy living, just go back to the way things were and the church and the world plods along in the direction it's going, or, okay, we're going to go through some hard times, really, really difficult times, but out of that, the Lord will bring multitudes to him. I'd far rather the second. Mm -hmm. We should all want the second. And maybe that won't happen. Maybe that will happen. But we will realize that the Lord is in control of all things. Any final thoughts before we finish off? No, no brother. You, you said it great. I, I mean, I love it. I just, I really thank you for the opportunity and, and uh, to be here and just having me on. Uh, it's really was a pleasure to, to be a part of this with you. So. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of nice to have somebody else talk in the program for for a change. <laughs> it's just somebody to bounce off of, and um, you know, uh, I've been you know check out uh, Full Armor Radio. I, I one of the episodes that I really really was blessed by was your interview with um, with uh, JV Fesco, um, mm. a man I really want to get on the program at some stage, but it just never the never opportunities never really presented itself. Just haven't sent him the email yet. Um, he's not said no to me or anything, but just uh, uh, but that was a real blessing to me. Um, I think those are the types of things that we as Christians should be getting excited about: justification, imputation, um, that were or the, the gospel. Do we love? Mm -hmm. The gospel. Are we excited to talk about the gospel? Not in a, a nerdy, intellectual way, I know more than you kind of thing, but that we we love to talk about Christ. It's like, you know, if you love to talk about your wife, you're going to want to talk about different things that have gone on and all this kind of stuff. And so it is with Christ. If we love Christ, we want to talk, look what he has done for my soul. Listen, folks, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Um, Megiddofilms at gmail.com. Do you have an email? Or, um, fullarmorradio at icloud.com. And the website is fullarmorradio.org. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you again so much. We'll talk to you again Friday evening, 9.30 will be the next program. May God bless you all. <laughs>